I'm getting ready to get into the word. How many were blessed by last week's message by Pastor Robert Morris? Here's the thing. God has been doing some amazing things in our church. And every time we talk about generosity, I, I mean, God has been wrecking this nation. I don't know if you've noticed, if you've seen it online, revival has hit our nation. And we see these spurts and we've seen them here and there, but now we're seeing it more collectively. We're seeing it happen uh, in front of our eyes. But you know one of the one of the indicators of revival? You know what it is? It's generosity. So I, I love I love God's presence, but one of the things that God's presence does in our lives is that it makes us more generous. And I'm so grateful because even after we heard last week's message, some uh, a few some of you came up to me and thank God I got the report because I wasn't asking anybody to come up to me. But some of you came up to me and said, "Man, I'm so grateful that I've played a part, even if it was a small part, in the vision of this house to be generous." Come on, somebody. Some people came up to me. And again, I'm grateful. Some people came up to me and said, Pastor Roe, you know what? I haven't, I haven't given, I haven't tithed. And you know what I'm going to start doing from now? I'm going to take it up. I'm going to take up the challenge to take one step up and begin to tithe. Some of us even went further. I've been tithing. I'm a professional tither. But guess what? I'm going to do a little bit more this year. And I'm going to give above the tithe. I'm going to give 12%, maybe 15%, not just 10%. Can we just praise God that God is doing something in this house? And so today we're going to get into part three of In God We Trust. In God We Trust. We're going to get into part three. Now I'm going to do kind of like a, a collaborative message here because I'm going, to free, I'm going to preach the first part, but then I'm going to bring in Robert Morris one more time. Come on, from Texas to come. We're going to do a little bit of a partnership here. And uh, he's one of the greatest communicators on generosity. I, I promise you, every time I hear a Robert Morris message on generosity, I am, I am in tears. I am bawling in the way he shares on generosity. And so again, I don't, I don't think that God is trying to get something from you. I think he's trying to get his purpose through you. And he does that through a heart of generosity. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 9. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. This is the Apostle Paul writing now to the church in Corinth, but he's bragging a little bit about what's going on in Macedonia. He says, They are being tested by many troubles, and they were very poor. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like to have the reputation that I'm poor. Come on, somebody. But look at this. He goes, they were poor. This is not a rich church. This is not rich people. But watch this. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. Here it goes. This is what I love. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Can you imagine that kind of generosity that you're, Pastor Roe, please, 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 I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. Whatever you shared, I want to be part of that. I want to make, please, please, can you imagine that kind of generosity? It's astounding. It's like, wow. They even did more than what we hoped for. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to. So we have urged Titus who encourage your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. I think sometimes many of us start well, but how many of you know it's not how you start, it's how you finish? 
And he says, he says, hey, hey, I'm sending Titus to you to encourage you because you started well. But you need to understand that God is in the waiting. And in the waiting, when you understand that God is in the waiting, you not only start well, you finish well. Can we give God a praise in this house? He says, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Verse 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. My, my message is simply this, the secret to a generous heart. Look at the person next to you, tell them the title to my message, tell them the secret to a generous heart. Help me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these moments that we, we have together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are speaking to this house, Lord, that you're speaking to our hearts even right now, Lord God. I thank you that our hearts are opening up because of the generosity that you extended by giving us Jesus. I pray that even as we hear this message, we may continue to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and really be obedient to whatever your Holy Spirit wants to do, say, and accomplish in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Give the Lord a strong clap offering in this place. Um, I, I want to go real, real quick, but I, you guys may, may have heard me ask this question. How many of you know that, that when you repeat yourself, usually it's because it's, it's because it's something important? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like when you repeat, how many husbands and wives, you have to repeat the same thing over and over? Like, I don't know about you, but like I'm a parent and as a parent, you got to load. Let me tell you right now, you got to put things on repeat. As a parent, you got to, you know, hey, they come out of the bathroom. What do you say? Hey, did you flush? Because the last time I went in there after you, it was a problem. Like, how I, I many you know, like for me, the first few years of being a parent, I had to constantly put on your seatbelts. Put on your seatbelts. I'm driving off. Did you put on your seatbelt? Anybody, any parent know what I'm talking about? Like, put on your seatbelt, put on your seatbelt, put on your seatbelt. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, this is, this is even, my wife does this to me all the time. Every, I'm 12 years, married. I come out of the bathroom every single time. Come out of the bathroom every single time. Did you wash your hands? And I'm telling you, listen, I'm a grown man. Lisa, I'm a grown man. She's like, did you wash your hands? I was like, Lisa, I'm a grown man. I'll be right back. <laughs> Why? Because the truth is that it's important. And she doesn't care how many times she has to ask or remind me. She she repeats because it's important to her. And I think that we apply the same kind of logic to the scriptures. We would look in the Bible that there are things that God repeats himself. There are things in the Bible that if you check the pattern, you'll see over and over and over and over again, God repeating itself. And if you do a quick word study, can we put that up on the screen? That the word believe is found 272 times in the Bible. 272 times God is saying believe, believe, believe. The, word, the words fear not are found 365 days. By the way, you have one fear not for every single day of the year. Come on, somebody. God wants to remind you, fear not. The word pray found 371 times. The word holy found 671 times. The word love 714 times. But watch this. The word give is found 2,000. 
172 times as if God is saying to us, hey, I, one of the most important things that, 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 uh, that are dear to my heart, one of the most important things that are dear to me is generosity. Because I really believe that, I really believe that you are most like God when you give, for God so loved the world that he gave. Somebody give God a praise in this place. In our text today that's found in 2 Corinthians, I want to read it again to us, uh, starting from verse 4. It says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than what we hoped for for their first action. Watch this. This is a secret to generosity. You're going to find it right here. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. Just as what God wanted. In other words, Christ uncensored what, what it says is that God wasn't looking to get something from them. God wasn't like, the first thing I want you to do is give me all your money. God wasn't after their money. God was after their heart. He says, it says, it says what God wanted from them is that they would give themselves to him. That's what God's desire is for you. So let me write this first one for you. Let me give you this first one. You want to know what the secret to, generous, to a generous heart is? It's when your heart belongs to God. I want you to write that down. The secret to a generous heart is when your heart belongs to God. Can I just be really frank with you today? When you know that your heart belongs to God, you understand that everything belongs to God. Oh, I'm sorry. That, oh, yeah, that was your wife. No, your wife belongs to God. Oh, those are your children. No, your children belong to God. Oh, you think that's your car? No, let me tell you, your car belongs to God. Oh, you think that's your salary? No, let me just tell you, your salary belongs. When you understand that your heart belongs to God, you begin to see everything, like everything belongs to God. I think that if we were talking to the church of Macedonia today, we would ask them, hey, what's the secret to generosity? The first thing on their list would be like, hey, our hearts just belong to God. Like, it's really no secret. Like, I mean, really, if you want to know what, a, what the secret is, is that our heart belonged to God. Like, God possessed my heart. And when God possesses your heart, you understand that everything is in God's possession. Everything belongs to God. I want to read to you Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, just in case we may have struggled in this area of what belongs to God and what doesn't. I want to do a quick Bible study with us. And in Psalms chapter 24, it says, the earth belongs to God. Everything, all the world is his. Oh, can I, can I tell you what he told Job? In, in Job chapter 41, verse 11, watch this. I owe you no one. I owe no one anything. Everything under heaven is mine. Psalms 50 verse 12, for the world is mine and all its fullness. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, look what it says. Everything belongs to God and all things were created by his power. I love it when you see on social media and they be like, yo, today's my day. No, excuse me, can I, can I interrupt you? Today, the day is not yours. Because Psalms chapter 74 verse 16 says that the day is yours and the night also is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun, says the Lord. The day belongs to him. The night belongs to him. But, yo, I, you know, I did this in my own strength. You know what I'm saying? I'm grinding. 
Have you heard that? I'm going after it. I did it in the sweat of my brow. Can I, hold on. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 16. He fed you with manna in the wilderness. It was a kind of bread unknown before so that you would become humble. And so that your trust in him would grow. And he could do you good. He did it so that you would never feel that it was in your own power. And in your own might that made you wealthy. Can I tell you? Your strength, your power, your ability, your determination, your grind belongs to God. Verse 18, here it goes. Always remember that it is the Lord God who gives you the power to become rich. And he does it to fulfill his promise to your ancestors. Even, well, what about, you know, it's my body. I could do whatever I want. Hold on a second. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Your body. You have a red sign in the Bible, you just wish it wasn't there. Come on, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like my least favorite Bible verse. Love your wife the way Christ loves the church. Like I love to love your wife my way. But then it says the way Christ loved the church. And I'm like, who? Right? Sabes que? That's not easy for me. It says your own body does not belong to you. For God has brought, bought you with a great price. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he owns it. Come on, can anybody declare it belongs to God? And so in 2 Corinthians, what it says is, is that, that they gave themselves, they gave their heart to God. I promise you, like you'll never discover the secret to generosity unless you first Surrender and release your heart unto God. It's saying, God, my heart belongs to you. And if my heart belongs to you, everything that you've given me belongs to you. And God, watch this. God gives you the privilege and the opportunity to steward what he's given you. You are never to be the owner. You are simply to be the steward of what he's given you. I want to give you the second thing in 2 Corinthians. It continues. It says, for I can testify that, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They weren't generous because someone manipulated them. They weren't generous. In this church, we don't believe in guilt tripping people into generosity. Because that's not going to bless. I mean, someone else might get blessed. But you're, you're blessing. You're like giving it with a, with a guilty kind of hard like oh, I gotta give because you know it's, it's, uh, you know what I mean you ever have to give out of obligation it's like I feel guilty enough to give that's never God's heart God's heart is that we would give as cheerful givers cheerful givers in other words we get excited the same way we get excited about God's blessing we ought to get excited about giving Try that again. The same way we get excited about God's blessing, we ought to get excited about giving. Come on, somebody. And so they gave out of their own free will. And here's, here's what I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said. He says, there are people that believe in me but don't believe me. I was powerful because I was like, first of all, God, don't be spitting bars at me. 
Yeah, a lot of my children, many people that come to church on a regular basis that you attend a Sunday service, you believe in God. But the question sometimes needs to be, do we believe God? In other words, do we believe what God says about himself and do we believe what his word declares about him? Because I think that we can believe in God but then find it so tough to believe God. So I want to give you the second point today is this. The first one is the secret to generosity is when our hearts belong to God, but the secret to generosity is also when we bring the tithe to God. I got one amen with that tithe word. I know. I know. I know. Listen, we're working it out, and I'm not even sweating. Three years ago, I was sweating up here. So I'm 40 now, so you're going to hear this message from a 40-year-old. I want to direct your attention to the screens as we bring in Pastor Robert Morris to talk about this point about the tithe. All right, so I want to start at uh, uh, Malachi 3, but before I explain this, and we'll go through it and explain it and talk about it, um, I, I want to uh, let you know when I say what test, many believers don't realize that God designed a test and you take it every time you get paid. And the test is, whom are you going to thank for your income? And whom are you going to worship for your income? So let's take a little, a little poll here. You can just raise your hands, all the campuses. How many of you get paid once a month? Gonna see your hands? Okay, this next one probably the majority. How many of you get paid twice a month? Kind of see your hands, okay? How many of you get paid once a week? Okay, how many of you never get paid? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but if you get paid, you take a test. The test is, what are you going to do with the first 10%? And a preacher did not come up with this test. You need to know that. God, who cannot change, came up with this test. And this test, by the way, was before the law and after the law and in the New Testament. The reason I have to say that is because most people who don't tithe, they're not bad people. They're not bad people. They simply believe that it was Old Testament or that it was under the law. There's a real problem with believing, well, since it's under the law, then there's no reason for us to do it now because there are principles that were under the law that you should be doing right now. <laughs> not committing adultery was under the law, but that's still a principle even if you're saved by grace. Everyone agree with that? Hello? <laughs> Goodness gracious, I didn't, think you had to, I didn't think you had to think about it that long, okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna read in Malachi 3, but I've got to make comments. Most of the time I'll read the passage and make comments, but I've gotta make some comments in the passage, okay? So we'll, we'll, we'll stop quite a few times and talk about it. Malachi 3, verse six, verse, verse six. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Now I just wanna clarify does the Lord change? <laughs> no. He, the reason he can't change is because if he could change, he could get better, and he can't get better because he's perfect. So he can't change. 
His personhood can't change. His character cannot change. Now, the next part of this verse is actually funny, but most people don't understand it as being funny, but it is. This is what he says. I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. (laughs) Here's what he's saying. So I haven't killed you. I'm the Lord, I don't change, and I'm good, and I'm merciful. That's why you're not dead. That's what he's saying. Therefore, you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet, from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances, and have not kept them. Now, let me, let me stop for a moment and explain what an ordinance is. Again, you can figure out the meanings or the roots of most words if you think about it. Ordinance. The root is ordinary. An ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. That's what an ordinance is. Uh, In other words, uh, 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 the city where you live might send you um, uh, a notice to cut your grass because they've made an ordinance that mowing your yard is a principle of ordinary behavior for people who live in that city. Does everyone follow me? So here's what God is saying. You keep going away from my principles of ordinary behavior for my children. You have to catch this because not stealing was under the law, but it's a principle of ordinary behavior for believers. Not lying was under the law, but that's a principle of ordinary behavior for believers. Tithing was under the law, but that is a principle of ordinary behavior for believers. Are are y'all following me? Are are you mad because I'm preaching on this? Because you just look, you know, like, I just wish I hadn't come this week. Okay, let's just, let's just. We'll just laugh about it, all right? And then you can get convicted at the end of the message, okay? All right. You have gone away from, since the days of your fathers, from my ordinary principles, and have not kept them. And I know we're talking about tithing because that's the whole context of this passage. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I, I underline that every time in that passage because I want to remind you this is God talking. And this is the God talking, listen, who cannot change. So he can't change this part of himself. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now watch this. This is God speaking. Will a man rob God? Now a preacher did not make this up. God said this. The God who cannot change. Are, 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 y'all, are, you, are you mad at me, really, or are you following me? Okay, you ought to be laughing a little bit like, oh, I'm in trouble. Okay. <laughs> the God who cannot change said you have been robbing me. This is an ordinary principle for my kids. It's ordinary for you to thank me for my income because without me, you wouldn't have any income. It's an ordinary principle for you to do this. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. Now, let me stop for a minute. 
He didn't say, I'm cursing you. But we live in a cursed world. What he's saying is you're putting yourself back under the curse system because you're not doing what my people should be doing. So now you're, you're, you're under a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. By the way, it's the fourth time he uses this robbed. There is a difference by, between theft and robbery. Theft is when you take something from the person and the person's not home. Robbery is when you take something from the person himself. God, I looked this word up to make sure it wasn't stealing, it was robbery. God said, you have actually come into my house and taken money out of my pockets. You've robbed me because I've set this aside for my house. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's pretty clear. The storehouse obviously is the church that there may be food in my house. Okay, let's stop for a minute. One of the number one um, blessings that I hear about Gateway Church is people say, we get fed spiritually. Do you agree? We're fed. Okay, now I'm gonna tell you something, because I'm not preaching on this because uh, you're doing bad in this area. You're doing fantastic, but some of you don't know. Some of you have been taught that's Old Testament or that's under the law, I don't need to do it. And you're actually, you're hurting yourself. So the only reason I'm preaching is to help you, okay? You, but let me tell you how great you're doing. You, and I'm please, 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 we're not trying to compare ourselves with other churches, but we're the highest tithing church in America by twice as much. Twice as much. and there's food in our house. And in every tithing church, there's food. Because there are a lot of preachers and pastors who are putting out good food. But I'm telling you, we hear it constantly. Well, I love going to Gateway because I get fed. He said, bring the tithe in and there'll be plenty of food. Are y'all following me? This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. If you don't know, this is good stuff. And then he says, and try me now in this. Now this word try, in some versions is the word test or prove. It is the same word used for testing metal or gold to see if it's pure. Here's what God says. Test me and see if I'm pure in this area. Give me 10%, bring 10% to the house of God and see if I'm pure in this area. By the way, this is the only place in the Bible where God gives you permission to test him. Where he literally says, test. Go ahead, test me. And watch what he says will happen if you'll test him in this. Says the Lord of hosts, we'll just make sure you remember who's talking, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not even be room enough to receive it. And, and, that's kind of like if you call right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Would it be all right with you if God rebuked the devil for you? Okay, listen to me. It costs 10%. (laughs) And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. He wants to keep reminding you, he's the one talking here. And all nations will call you blessed. 
are a blessed life. <laughs> God was endorsing my book there. <clears throat> For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Who's talking? Who was talking to Malachi? Can God change? No. Okay, but the biggest thing I hear is, well, that's in the Old Testament. So I was talking to the Lord one time about that. And I said, Lord, I'm, try I'm trying to help people in this area. I'm not trying to raise money for the church. I'm trying to help people. But they just keep, they keep saying to me, well, that's in the Old Testament. That's in the Old Testament. Okay, this is in Malachi 3. The, uh, the um, um, 6 through the 12th verse. There are 16 verses in, so just four more verses in 3. And then, uh, sorry, six more verses. Then there are six more verses in um, um, uh, four, chapter four. So I told the Lord, and then Matthew one. So I told the Lord, Lord, couldn't you have just waited? <laughs> just 12 verses. Now I realize it's 400 years, but just 12 verses. Why couldn't you put this in the New Testament? Here's what he said to me. I put it right where I wanted it. Because this is point number one. Tithing is a test. He's testing you. Every time you get paid, he says you. By the way, it is in the New Testament. And I'm gonna show it to you. Okay, so it is in the New Testament. And I'll show it to you, but it's a test. So the, the word tithe means a tenth. The number 10 represents testing in scripture. So I'm gonna ask you some questions and you can answer me out loud. Okay, I want all the kids, I want you to answer me loudly. I want you to say it real nice and loudly because I want to show you that 10 is a test in the Bible, all right? Here's the first question. How many plagues were there in Egypt? 10. Ten. Okay, now here's what I could have said. How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? That's what the Bible says, but you might not have known, but we all know 10 plagues. So that's, God was testing Pharaoh's heart. All right, how many commandments are there? 10. Ten. So that was when God, that's how God tests us. It represents him. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you another question. You might not know the answer, but there's a pattern here. Okay? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? That's in Numbers 14, by the way, if you wanna know. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Okay, you need to say it louder. How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing were mentioned in Revelation chapter two? How many disciples were there? No, there were 12. I just, I just, I just tested you. Tithing is not only a, a test for you, it's a test for God. We just read that. God said you can test me. Tithing is a two-way test. Here, think about this. Here's what God is saying to Malachi. Test me, I dare you. I dare you. But again, people say, well, that's Old Testament, or they say that's under the law. I just wanna show you how ridiculous that is, that because it was bad under the law, like stealing or committing adultery, it's okay now for believers. Or because it was good under the law, like tithing, now it's bad. That's ridiculous. I'll show you a few scriptures in a moment where tithing was 500 years before the law. 500 years before. I'll show you next week that it was 2,500 years before the law. Now, I can even show you tithing in the Garden of Eden. 
So it's all through scripture. But I just wanna show you how it's stupid. It's really foolish to say, well, if it was under the law, you know, we don't have to worry about it anymore because we're, we're under grace. We are under grace, but that doesn't mean since you're under grace, you go around doing stuff that, that was bad under the law. So let me give you an example. So Thomas, you're back in here now. Um, let, give me your wallet. Come on, just give me your wallet. Thanks. Okay, I'm gonna keep this. Because stealing, see, thou shalt not steal, was under the law. Is that right? Is that, was thou shalt not steal under the law. And I'm not under the law, I'm a believer, right? So I can keep this. That's foolishness, right? Isn't that foolishness? All right, so I'll give you back your wallet here. There's not even any money in it. No money at all. That's crazy. I mean, you know, I just, I just thought I'd look and see if there was any money in there. Well, what'd you do? No, come on now, everyone. What did you do? What did you do? You took your money out? I tell him before the service, I'm gonna do this illustration. And he takes his, I'll get you back. All right. So tithing's a test. Here's number two. Tithing is biblical. A lot of people don't think it's biblical. They don't think it's scriptural. They think there's one reference in Malachi 3. So I'm just gonna show you a few. I don't have time to show you all. Tithing, by the way, the word tithe is in the Bible 41 times. Over half of those times, it's not, refer, it's not in the law. The law is Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but I'm gonna throw numbers in there for you, just to help you, okay? Leviticus means the law, Levitical law. That's Leviticus, Levitical law. The law of the Levites, okay? Deuteronomy means the second law, the law second time. So, uh, and numbers means one, two, three, four, no, I'm just kidding, so, all right. But anyway, I'm, I'll throw Leviticus, Numbers, De- Deuteronomy. Tie, the word ties in the Bible 41 times. Over half of them are not in Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy. And eight of them, eight times it's in the Bible, are in the New Testament. And one of them is in red. And I'll show it to you. And Jesus said it. So, all right, so let me show you a few. This is 500 years before the law. Genesis 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, Melchizedek obviously represents Jesus. Hebrews tells us that. Brought out bread and wine. There's communion right there. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him, that's Abraham, or Abram was his name at the time, and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and God's the possessor of heaven and earth, not Abram, by the way. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies in your hand, and he, that's Abraham, gave him, that's Melchizedek, a tithe of all. Now you explain, I, lo- I would love, I'd love it, I'll accept the email, I'd love for you to explain that theologically to me, 500 years before the law. And let me explain it to you theologically. It's because murder was wrong before the law was ever written. It was wrong for Abel to kill Cain before the law was written. And tithing was right before the law was written. Here's 420 years before the law. Genesis 28. Jacob, and this is this stone which I've set up, shall be a pillar, as a pillar shall be God's house. 
and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. 400 years before the law. Leviticus 27, and of all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy or set apart to the Lord. Deuteronomy 26, verse one, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as inheritance. That's where we are right now. We've come into the promised land. The promised land, by the way, is not heaven. It's the overcoming Christian life because there were still enemies in the promised land. There aren't any enemies in heaven. When you come into the land which the Lord's given you, in other words, when you get saved and you possess it and dwell in it, then you shall take some of the first, this is referring to the tithe, I'll show you that next week, first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall put it in a basket. Now watch what you're supposed to do with the tithe. And I'll show you in a minute, this actually calls it tithe, okay? And go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. That's church. There it is right there. Go to the place where the God chooses to make his name abide. And then let me show you again, just a few verses down, how we know it's the tithe. Deuteronomy 26, verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and have given it then to the Levite stranger, fatherless the widow. That was the way you were to give it then through the church. According to all your commandments, which you have commanded me, I've not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I'm not eaten any of it when in mourning, any of the tithe, nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I've obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I've done according to all that you've commanded me. Now this is what you can pray if you tithe. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. See how clear that is? Here, here's what he said. I've removed the holy tithe from my bank account and I've taken it to your bank account. I've removed it from my house and I've taken it to the house where you choose to make your name abide. All right, now we're gonna go to the New Testament. Now, before I read you the scripture, um, I wanna ask you a question. I want you to answer me out loud. All the campuses. If Jesus himself said you ought to tithe, would you tithe? Yes. Okay, now did all of you say yes? <laughs> now I want you to, again, we're, I'm trying to make light of a, a very heavy subject, I understand that. But what is amazing is that some of us have to think about it. And we stand in worship and say, I give you everything, but not 10%. That's really what we do. I'll give you everything, God, but not 10%. And I, I just asked you a question. If Jesus, see, you knew I was setting you up. That's why some of you didn't say yes. <laughs> and you remembered Ananias and Sapphira. You didn't want to lie in church. <laughs> But think about it, you don't have to answer out loud. Think about it in your heart. If the one who bled and died for your eternal salvation said to you, you ought to tithe, would you do it? Would you like to see it? It's in red. That means Jesus said it. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. For you pay tithe on mint 
anise and cumin. Those are spices that you put on your food. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Okay, he said, you give tithes on everything, but you neglect this. Then he says, you ought to do this. You ought to tithe on everything, but don't leave the others undone. <laughs> Let me say it again. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> said, you tithe on all everything, but you neglect justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to do, you ought to tithe on everything, but don't leave this undone. Okay, now, one time I shared that in church, a guy, very, very nice, said to me, I think these you ought to have done refer to justice, mercy, and faith. I said, okay, grammatically it doesn't. In the Greek, it doesn't, and I did take Greek and got a good grade, by the way. And I don't know how much Greek you've had. But, I, but I'm gonna go with you. I said, I'll go with you. If these you ought to have done refer to justice, mercy, and faith, what does the rest of the verse say? Without leaving the other undone. I got you either way. <laughs> either way you wanna interpret that verse, Jesus said, you ought to do it, and that's either referring to tithing, or if that's referring to justice, mercy, and faith, then he said, but don't leave the other undone, and tithe on everything. Come on, come on, that was good, I got you. And the only reason, the only reason I wanna get you is because I wanna help you. I don't want you to live under a curse. I want you to live under open heavens with the devourer rebuked and blessed. That's what the Bible says. And I'll show you something else that will totally shock you, a New Testament scripture on tithing. Hebrews 7, verse 8 says, Here mortal men receives tithes, but there he, capital H, Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. Whole passage, go back and read it. So about Melchizedek, that Jesus is the Melchizedek because he doesn't have a no, no beginning of days, no end of days. <laughs> He's the king of Salem, which is peace, and the king of righteousness. So we know who that is. Watch. But there he receives them, watch this, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. The New Testament tells me that Jesus himself receives my tithes. You know what else it tells me? That tithing is a witness to the resurrection. Amen. That Jesus is still alive because he's receiving my tithes. That's New Testament, New Testament. Now, I've been in the ministry, this will be my 40th year of the ministry. I'm just beginning my 40th year, okay. Um, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I've heard two testimonies for 40 years now. They're, both, they're the same. One of them's from tithers, one's from non-tithers. All tithers say to me, 
I am so blessed. Uh, we are so blessed. When we begin tithing, not everything's perfect. Yes, we go through difficulties, but we're so blessed. They all say it. All non-tithers say the same thing. I can't afford to tithe. Listen to me. You're, again, you're not a bad person. You're not a bad person if you struggle in Syria. Please hear me, though. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Think about it. Because tithing removes the curse, rebukes the devourer, and restores the blessing. Let me say it again. It removes the curse. This is for you young pastors. If you'd like a three-point sermon, then it all be, they all be given ours. It's perfect for you. You can preach this next week somewhere if you want. Removes the curse, rebukes the devourer, restores the blessing. And that's all from Malachi 3, okay? All right, here's number three, and then we're finished. Tithing is personal. Now, this is gonna shock you. Tithing is personal to God. He takes it more personally than you could ever imagine. And I wanna give you an example, okay, to help you. Um, Nathan and Thomas and Mike, will y'all stand up? And just scoot, gather, scoot to where you can be closer. And Thomas, um, since you did that thing with your money, would you stand on the end there, <laughs> on the other end? Yeah, because I want you to play that part, okay? Okay, so let's just say that I say, uh, guys, I'm going away for a while, and it'll be uh, several months, and I've provided for Debbie, but I'd like to provide some extra for her. And I'm gonna do it through the three of you. Um, and, I'm, and I also just wanna bless you. I just wanna bless you three guys. So I'm gonna give you each $10,000 a month, okay? Nathan, this is just an analogy. Just, okay, this is just an example, okay? Um, so, I, I, but the condition is you have to give my wife 10%, $1,000. You can do anything you want with the other, anything at all. I just wanna bless you guys, but I wanna channel some resources through you to her. Now, I've already provided for her because even if you don't do it, I can, I, I, you know, manna from heaven. If I was God, manna from heaven, is that right? So you gotta understand, you're not, God can take care of the church without you. He's just trying to bless you. <laughs> so after, you know, every day I talk to Debbie and then I start thinking about it and I start wondering, well, what's going on, you know, with these three guys? So I say, well, what, well how's Mike doing? She says, he sends $1,000 first of every month, January 1st, February 1st, March 1st, $1,000. I said, what about Nathan? He's sending 2,000. <laughs> Way to go. I say, what? I, I only told him 1,000. I don't know why he sends 2,000 a month. You know, some people do that. And I say, well, what about Thomas? She says, well, we need, we need to talk about Thomas. <laughs> I told you I'd get you back, okay. I said, what do you mean when you talk about Thomas? Well, the first month he sent 700. The second month he sent 300. And last month he didn't send anything. <laughs> okay, young, be seated. Okay, now let's just think about this if this was for real. How do you think I feel about Thomas right now? It's personal to me. It's my wife. I didn't have to give him any money. I was trying to bless him. 
Are y'all following me? I was just asking for 10%, and he could keep the 90. I tell you what I am going to do, though. I'm not sending Thomas a dime more, nothing, because I can't trust him. But I'm going to take what I've given him and give it to Mike and Nathan. And if you don't think Jesus would do that, read the parable of the talents. He will do that. And if you don't think that this analogy is truer than you are thinking right now, isn't the church the bride of Christ? I'm telling you that tithing is more personal to God than you think it is. Now, one last thing. God said, you're robbing me. But God owns everything. Is God actually trying to provide for the church with our giving? Or is he trying to provide for us? and teach us to trust him. I want you to think about that. (laughs) When he said you're robbing me, is he having difficulty paying the light bill in heaven? Is he running out of asphalt, which is gold? No. You know what he's saying? Please hear this. I've thought about this a lot. He said you are robbing me of the opportunity to bless you. Read the context again of Malachi 3. He said, you're robbing me from what I want to do for you. I want to open the windows of heaven over you. I want to rebuke the devourer for you. And I want for you to be blessed, but you're robbing me from that opportunity because you won't do what's ordinary for my people to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. All right, so I wanna start at uh, uh, Malachi 3, but before I explain this, and we'll go through it and explain uh, it and talk about it, um, I wanna uh, let you know when I say what test, many believers don't realize that My God designed a test every week, and she said, "And you take it every time you get paid." I gave a tithe from my and, allowance, and um, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is where we start. We start, we start young. We start young." And I was like, uh, "Amen, baby." She was like, "That message is the first message I have ever heard that I understood from start to finish." And I was like, "You know, I'm the main preacher at Kuha, right?" She goes, no, no, I understand you, but I just, sometimes I don't get it. And then I said, what about you, Bishop? Did you tithe from your allowance? He said, no, because you told me to tithe from my income. That's not income. You just gave it to me as a gift. So we're praying for Bishop. Um, um, I want to share with you the last point as the worship team comes up and as our host team comes forward. By the way, I just want to say anybody that's visiting here for the first time or maybe you found us online and wanted to check us out, and I just want to thank you that you're here. I also want to say don't feel any obligation to give. Um, We usually take a time 
every year to kind of speak to the members of this house or those that have already chosen to partner up with Christ Uncensored and this be the place that they are spiritually fed and give. So you don't feel any obligation. Um, um, but if you know if you do desire to partner up and if this message is speaking to you, then you're more than welcome to, but please, uh, this is really for um, those that are of this house, of this house. Um, I want to give you the last point. The last point is really this as we conclude, and we're going to pray in a moment. Um, the last thing is, the second thing is, is, is uh, a heart of generosity is when you bring the tithe. This, the last thing is when, it's when you realize it's bigger than you. It's when you realize the secret to a generous heart is when you realize that it's bigger than you. He says this, it says, but they also, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that I, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift to the believers in Jerusalem. Now, remember in the verses before, it says that they, were, they weren't wealthy. These were, this was a poor community, but they also realized that this is beyond me. This is, this is beyond me. This is beyond. And one of the, one of the greatest messages of the enemy is who's going to provide for you? Who's going to look out for you? Who's going to help you with your bills? We, and a lot of times, like Pastor Morris said, he's, is that we say we can't. We can't. And, and again, it doesn't make us bad people. Doesn't, but it, we're at that place where it's like, well, I don't know how it's going to happen. And, and what happens is, is that we think that we're the sole provider of our life. And I just want to say, like, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. But the world of the generous gets larger and larger. I don't know about you, but I want to live a generous life where my world is expanding, where my world is growing, where I have enough to give to everyone. And it says that this offering that they were collecting in Macedonia, this offering they were connecting in Macedonia, this is something that took time. So it wasn't like a one and done kind of thing. It wasn't, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write a check. No, no, this was something that they had to gradually and collectively put together. And this is what he says. He says, so we have urged Titus who encourage your giving in the first place to return you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. In other words, I'm sending you Titus to make sure that you're not just a good starter, but that you can complete in this area of giving. I want to read to you what 2 Corinthians verse 6 now says, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 6. I'm sorry, I want to read to you Isaiah 32, verse 8. It says, but generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. Did you catch that? It's like, I don't know if you've been there, but I've been at the place where I've settled in my heart that I'm going to give and I'm going to tithe. And then something goes wrong that week. A bill out of nowhere comes out. Like what in the... And that's where the enemy will say, you shouldn't have gave. 
you would have had that money right now. He won't point to your credit card bill. He won't point to you splurging. He'll point to the tithe. He'll point to your generosity. That's where you'll point to. And then you're grieving on your giving when you should be rejoicing that you gave. You know, March 5th, we're going to collect our faith offering. We call it a heart to give offering. Because the, the idea is that we would come as a church and we would give our very, very, very best offering so that we can accelerate the vision of this church. And we're, I believe, I don't know about you, but I got some strong faith for our March 5th offering. I believe, because I've seen the hand of God do it. I believe that we can collect, we could reach our goal of $50,000 that's going to allow us, watch this, it's going to allow us to accelerate the vision and everything that we've planned out for the next two years will be able to happen because of the generosity of this church. Amen? Amen? And here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that we don't just have, because here's what happens. The givers give more. You tell me to give? I give more because my heart's been conditioned to give. And what happens is what we've seen, watch this, what we've seen in previous years is that givers just give more but we're looking to see those who maybe struggle in this area of giving to say I'm going to give my very best offering so I want you to take the challenge and take God on this test in two weeks March 5th we're going to collect our heart to give offering and we're going to plan to be generous what does it say? It says, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. So Lisa and I have been praying. It's like, Lord, what is it that you want us to give? Our goal is to raise $50,000. And we know at a bare minimum, this is what God placed in our heart, at a bare minimum. I'm like, God, you could take us up. I was like, Lord, whatever you give me, I will give. That's what I told the Lord. And so I'm only sharing this amount, not to, again, not to, guilt trip anybody i'm only sharing this amount to be a testimony and it's really i'm being careful even as i share it because it's really my pastor who encouraged me to share it he's like hey you can share the amount because you want to be a model to your church and so lisa and i purposed in our heart that we're going to give two thousand dollars towards the vision of this house lisa and i lisa and i don't make much more than everybody here it's not like you know Lisa and I have four children together. Come on, somebody. Four children. One on the way. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> that was terrible. Surprise! No. It's like all my leaders. Get serious, Pastor Rowe, please. Um, we have four children. We're going to give it. So where does this come from? This could come from maybe you've been saving up for some time for something special. Maybe you give a tithe of whatever's in your saving account. Some people have asked me, hey, what about um, tax season? You know, I'm going to get my... Maybe you give a generous offering from that. Maybe it's that you'll save up the money that you've been spending maybe on something else and saying, hey, I'm going to give towards that. And I'm speaking to our young people as well. 
Pastor Roe, I only work twice a week. I only work once a week. I only work three times a week. Well, God's not asking from you the same amount that he's asking from Lisa and I, but he's asking the same sacrifice. Bezos' tithe is different from my tithe, but it's the same sacrifice. 10% is 10%. And, and, and I know I'll, I've heard this, Pastor Roe, when I make a certain amount, I'll start tithing. No, listen, if you can't tithe from $100, you'll never be able to tithe out of $10,000. You just won't. I'm just telling you. By the grace of God, I mean, our, my tithe just recently, again, I'm only sharing this as a testimony, my tithe has increased double. To me, it's, it's almost like it's not, you know why? Because it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me. So here, I put four things that we need to ask ourselves as we pray for our heart to give offering and what we're going to give. I'm looking at everybody. I know I can't look at everybody. I'm looking at everybody eye to eye, all right, y'all? Here's the first thing. Is God leading me to give this amount? Is God leading me to give this amount? I want you to pray. I want you to ask God, God, is what is it that you want me to give? Number two, does this amount stretch my faith? You know what? You know what? What kind of giving is unbiblical? Comfortable giving. Because the giving that we see in the Bible is sacrificial. It's not a tip. It's not chump change. It's not just, oh, I'm just going to, yeah. No. Is it, does it stretch my faith? Does it feel like this? You know how Robert Morris says some of the, you know, some of the things that he was saying, you should be, at least be casually laughing like, <laughs> well, this is the facial expression of how it should feel like. All right, God, I'm going to do this because I trust you. So it should feel like $2,000 is not easy. This is not casual for me. But it's God, I trust you. Number three, may I have to change my spending this month to make it happen? May I have to change my spending this month just to make it happen? Okay, so some of us, is not that we don't have it. It's that we haven't learned how to manage our money. I'll tell you right now, you know what tithing will teach you? It'll teach you how to manage your money. I, I did my taxes this year, Dunkin' again, $3,000. I had enough with Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I was like, $3,000? Imagine two years, you could have a down payment on a business, on a house, like $3,000 you're spending on Dunkin' Donuts. And some of us have it, some of us don't have, you do have it, you just have it in your clothes. Just have it in your sneakers. You just have it in the eighty dollars that you got your hair did. I'm just joking. Last thing: Does this feel like my best offering? Does this feel like my best offering? I'm telling you, one of the ways you grow spiritually is by growing in your generosity. It's very concerning someone who is super spiritual but very stingy. That concerns me. You could speak in a million tongues, but you, you can't give. Would you stand up on your feet with me? I sounded really nice. It's the cinematic music that's make it sound like if we're in a... Thank you. <laughs> um, let's get ready to worship if we can transition into that song. 
I'm going to ask you if you can prepare your giving for today. This is your just your normal giving for today. He spoke about ordinance. Maybe you want to start tithing today, even before Heart to Give Sunday. You're more than welcome to do so. Uh, I want to give you the four ways to give. You can give um, through, can we put up the four ways to give? You can give through our cash app. It's cash tag C-U-H-O-W. You can give through Givelify. Just go to your app store, look up Givelify, and look up Christ Uncensored. And you can give through our website, and there's an envelope on your seat. It says Christ Uncensored. If you're writing out a check, you can write it out to Christ Uncensored, or just Kuhau, C-U-H-O-W. And I'm going to count to three. At the count of three, and we're going to pray. And I want you to bring up your offering. If you're giving through your cell phone, just as a as an act or as a symbol, as a, just come forward and just touch the basket with your cell phone, just as a marker, okay? And so we're going to pray, and you're going to come forward. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We present to you our tithes and our offerings right now unto you, Lord God. We thank you that there are many people here that are accepted the challenge, oh God, to give, give generously, oh God, and begin tithing, oh God. We pray that you receive this offering and that you, we may receive your blessing. In Jesus' name.